one of my brothers lives in North Carolina and does some farming. And just some months ago, decided to start taking care of animals and got some sheep. And also got a sheepdog who's experienced, though new to him. And just a few weeks ago, the sheep had lambs. And as it happens, just this morning, he sent out a photograph of the sheep, the lambs, out in the field, I guess for the first time. And there's the sheepdog sitting up on the rock, watching over them. And of course, we know that, that this picture goes together. In our society, if we, often we have the, the, the service of sheepdogs to take care of a flock of sheep and of lambs. Now, one of the commentators I was reading said that in the Holy Land, at least back in the first century, they didn't have sheepdogs, which meant that the care of the flock had to fall entirely upon the skills, the shoulders of the shepherd. No sheepdog to take care of those duties. And so we can imagine that just as we see these things going together, that so it was also with the shepherd and the sheep. These go together, don't they? It seems that sheep have certain qualities as animals that suit them to form a relationship with the shepherd. Now you might say that I'm speaking euphemistically. If I were speaking more plainly, I would say because sheep are not very smart and because sheep are not very strong and are apt to wander away and get injured and get lost and get attacked, that they need a shepherd. Well, that would be true. It can be true of us as well. St. Augustine, in one of his writings, says, you know, you might want to say to God sometime, Lord, why didn't you make me smarter? Why didn't you make me stronger? Why didn't you make me immortal? And he would say to you, you know, I did make such a creature. They're called angels. I made them. I also wanted to make human beings. And I made you a human being all part of showing forth his goodness. And so by making us human beings and not angels, part of that is that we too, somewhat like sheep with their shepherd, are suited to form this relationship with our shepherd. And so on this Sunday each year, we hear our Lord Jesus' words talking about how he is the good shepherd. Because of our tendency to be oriented towards forming this relationship with our shepherds, we know that there's a long history of those who would be shepherds, but who have been, again and again, as he says, thieves and robbers. But that does not mean we don't need a shepherd. It means we need the good shepherd. Now this, this image that's contained in here is simply a description of what was a common practice, which is that the sheep were in the sheepfold overnight. And so, let's say perhaps three shepherds with their flocks would converge on one sheepfold overnight, so all the sheep would be together. How could you ever tell them apart? Well, because the sheep recognized the voice of their own shepherd. And so when it came morning and time for them all to depart, all that they would need to do is one at a time, each shepherd could call out, perhaps especially using their special names for their sheep, and their sheep would follow after them, and so the flocks would simply separate, each one following its own shepherd to go out in the fields for the day before coming back to the sheepfold at night. 
And actually, especially as I read the descriptions of what that can look like, I'd really like to see it, because apparently it's quite fascinating to see this interplay of the shepherd calling an instinctive way to his sheep and of them recognizing his voice. Now, if sheep can recognize their shepherd's voice and follow him and therefore know when it's someone who's not their shepherd so they don't follow that stranger, well, that's what sheep can do. Can we do that? The sheep recognize their shepherd's voice. Do we recognize our shepherd's voice? The sheep follow their shepherd as he calls to them. Do we listen to our shepherd? Let's consider a little bit what goes around these questions. When it comes to recognizing the voice of the shepherd, in the New Testament, at different points when St. Paul talks about spiritual gifts, lists off different spiritual gifts given by the Holy Spirit to different people, one of those gifts is the discernment of spirits. Because at different times, we will seemingly hear a voice, feel an urge, feel an impulse, something that we know is not, it's not just our own thoughts, it's not just an idea that we just have in our normal way, but that it seems to be coming from somewhere else. And these need to be discerned, they need to be told apart. Because as we hear, I think it's maybe St. John who talks about, remember that not every spirit is the Holy Spirit. Not every message that we receive in this way is coming from the Holy Spirit. You might say, is it the wine talking? Is it the selfishness talking? Is it the fear and the insecurity talking? Something is talking, someone is talking, but who is it? The gift of the discernment of spirits is that some people receive from the Holy Spirit the special ability to be able to tell these things apart. Now, if that's a spiritual gift to some people, the fact is, is that, in some way, all of us can grow in it through our own spiritual experience. We gradually, even if we don't have that spiritual gift, we gradually will learn to do that as well. And this is where spiritual direction can come in. Because what is spiritual direction? It's going and having a conversation with someone who is, hopefully, more spiritually experienced and mature, so that that person can help you to, to look at your spiritual life and to help you to recognize better what's going on in it and what to do about it. So that just because of that person's more extensive experience, they can listen to you describe what you've been doing in prayer, what you've been experiencing, different things, and can say, okay, this thing right here in your life, okay, that's, that's the guidance of the Holy Spirit. You need to go toward that voice. You need to do more of that. This other thing, that's not. So not only in spiritual direction do you gain the benefit of the guidance of the moment, but you also pick up all the experience and wisdom of that person so that you also absorb their experience in learning how to tell the difference, how to recognize the voice of the shepherd from what is not someone else's voice. We think of the sermon of spirits, spiritual direction. We might also think of phenomenon of conscience. Conscience, the Catechism tells us, is a judgment of the intellect, which means that one of the aspects of our mind is that at certain moments when we're faced with a moral decision, the mind, without us having to like work it all through, sort of takes up 
everything that we think we know about good and bad, takes it all together and just in the flash of the moment applies all of our knowledge to the decision and in an instant just gives us like a read, a judgment, like do this. One problem. You've heard that phrase that at least used to be used by computer programmers, garbage in, garbage out. It's pulling together all that we think we know about morality. But if what we think we know is wrong, then we get garbage out. Conscience is not necessarily reliable. It depends on how well we've been formed. If we've been putting garbage in, then unfortunately that, that judgment of the moment that tells us do this will actually be wrong. It can be wrong. And if we find that the judgment of our conscience in the moment is telling us something like, yeah, go ahead, say that cutting hurtful thing to your spouse or blow up at your children. If your conscience is saying that, then it's a signal that your conscience has not been formed right. You're getting garbage out of it. But if your conscience is saying, sure, go ahead and, you know, take that thing that nobody can see you taking, or say that lie, your conscience is misleading you. Or if it says, sure, go ahead and go ahead with a sexual action with someone that you're not married to, or, you know, look at that thing on the internet, Again, it's giving us what we brought into it, which therefore leads us to the question, how do we, how do we recognize the voices of our shepherd? Think for a moment, in any given week, how much time do you spend in prayer listening to the voice of the shepherd? How much time do you spend reflecting on the scriptures? How much time reading church teaching? How much time reading books by saints or other spiritual writers? How much time in Mass? Okay, there's hopefully a, a, a pile of time for each week. Now ask yourself, in that same week, how much time do you spend watching television? How much time do you spend listening to the radio? Reading the newspaper, magazines, reading websites, listening or watching to video clips on YouTube, playing video games. How much time do you spend, perhaps in class, taking in what? This is enormous. It's enormous for all of us. Whose voice do we spend all this time listening to? Now, of course, some of this stuff we have to do. But if we're spending all this time listening to other voices, then don't we actually have to make a, a big effort to make this other pile as big as possible because it's never going to get as big as the first pile. But at the very least, we should make sure that it isn't zero or isn't just one hour, but, you know, if this other pile is, you know, 100 hours or more, should we try to make this pile like five at least or ten rather than one? And this is all part of them learning to recognize the voice of the Good Shepherd and also spending time listening to it. Because remember what he said, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. And when we think of all those other voices, well-meaning as they might be, did any of them step down from divinity to join you in your human life? Did any of them give their lives for you upon the cross? Did any of them conquer death and off offer to you eternity? 
the Good Shepherd did all these things. And so the Good Shepherd, we have to recognize his voice and we have to listen to it. Today is Mother's Day. And one of those things that Christian mothers can do, have the privilege of doing and the responsibility of doing, is in those earliest days helping their children from the beginning to recognize the voice of the Good Shepherd. What a gift to, from those earliest days, if that's something that the children had from the beginning. Now this applies to fathers as well, but don't tell anyone because it's Mother's Day. So mothers, mothers can do this. It's a privilege and it's a responsibility. And certainly when we think of the Blessed Virgin Mary, we know that she did this. Those last words of hers recorded in the New Testament are at the wedding feast of Cana, when she told the servants what? She pointed them to Jesus and she said, do whatever he tells you. And so this wonderful woman given to each of us as our mother does that too. Points us back to her son, the Good Shepherd, says, listen to his voice, recognize it, do whatever he tells you. And so at this time, we're going to turn to our special crowning of the statue of the Blessed Virgin Mary.